Hello, dear friend. Welcome back to another episode of the Curious Neuron Podcast. My name is Cindy Huffington and I am your host. If you are new, welcome. We are all about helping you parent your child by first understanding yourself. A lot of talk about emotions and our childhood and our past and how that impacts the way that we parent. And we are also here to learn how our child's brain develops and how they learn about social emotional skills and build all of these skills. Um, I have been talking about parenting as a whole for a very long time now, but I'm slowly going to be closing off this season uh, a little bit early. So probably by mid um, no, actually early April, mid-April at the latest, um, instead of continuing this season of the podcast until the end of the summer. And I'm going to be relaunching the podcast with a bit of a twist, which is exactly what I just said in the introduction. I want Curious Neuron to be your place to get the research like I've always been doing. However, I do want to focus on emotions as a whole. There's a lot to cover when we talk about emotions, including our own childhood as parents and emotion regulation skills, as you know, but emotions impact the way that we think, the way that we behave and the decisions that we make. And I want to cover all of that for us as adults and parents and as a guide to help us with our, with our children. Because sometimes when it comes to their behavior, we might not see past that and realize that it's emotions. All things that I've been talking about with the Curious Neuron podcast, but it'll be, um, I'll be focusing a lot more on that. So uh, first, before we begin today, I want to talk about a question that I received from a parent asking about whether or not their their child's grandparents can ruin the way that they're parenting. I thought it was a really good question. I'll read it in a few seconds. But first, I wanted to thank the Tannenbaum Open Science Institute for supporting the Curious Neuron podcast. It means the world to me that we have the support of this institute within a university here in Montreal, because as you know, my biggest and most important mission is to make science accessible to you, the parent, the more that we can understand and the science of ourselves and for our child, the more that we can support our children and the better parents that we could become. So that is uh, something very important to me. I would also like to thank you, the listeners, for supporting the Curious Neuron podcast yourselves, following Curious Neuron on Instagram at Curious underscore Neuron, visiting our website at CuriousNeuron.com. And also, if you have a moment, it would mean the world to me if you can leave a review and a rating for the podcast. And when you do so, you can leave a rating um, on on Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts, and you can also review it and leave a little note on Apple Podcasts. And if you do so, please let me know. Send a screenshot at info at That's my email address. And I will send you a free PDF called Meltdown Mountain, which helps children between the ages of one and a half to until the ages of four to five, I would say, help um, it helps them understand their emotions. There's a visual that you can print out and it really helps them understand how they can regulate their emotions, and it gives you the words that you can use with them. So it's a good starter when it comes to emotions, especially if your child is struggling with tantrums. And I give you that for free. It's $10 on our website if you want it, but also if you want to encourage the podcast, please take a moment to rate it and review it. 
If you have been listening to the previous episodes, you know that I left for a week. I went to Miami uh, last week, and that is also why I've been a little, bit, a little bit behind and I'm posting this podcast episode a little bit late this week. I uh, went there to go to the Kids Screen Summit. So I am, in addition to being the founder and director of Curious Neuron, I'm also the co-founder of Wondergrade, which is an app that helps children learn how to cope with their big emotions. And this app, um, by the way, you can get the link in the show notes, um, but this app has this adorable character called Ollie. And we were there to kind of explore, you know, this world of TV and and, and apps and, and see what how Ollie fits in this. So um, I can't give the details of, of everything that happened. It, a lot happened, but I was so grateful to make a lot of new connections with people um, on uh, in the industry and in YouTube. And we connected with somebody in Headspace, uh, somebody um, in Apple TV, somebody in Netflix, so many people that are there. And, and what was interesting is that we all agreed that when it comes to children, we need to be talking a lot more about social emotional skills, emotional intelligence, emotion regulation, and mental health. All of that connect. All of these topics um, connect and are all important. And whether we are an educator, um, a clinician, uh, or work with parents or teacher or children, we need to be having this discussion a lot more because we are seeing the impact of not just the pandemic because mental health was um, getting worse in children before the pandemic, but it definitely um, got worse faster during the pandemic. So we need to have this discussion, which is why I also want to start focusing Curious Neuron a lot more on these skills as a preventative kind of thing. We need to talk about our emotions as parents and we need to figure out how we can help our kids with their emotions. Because if we do give them those tools at a very young age, it is shown in research to prevent or protect their mental health. So that is why it's one of my missions right now to keep talking about the science, but to really focus on certain periods of a child's life. Um, there are studies that I'm going to be talking about on the new season. I have a researcher coming in that is focusing on parents even before they become parents. So before conception, because now research is starting, is, is suggesting, not starting, it's been a little while now, but research suggests that we should be, um, monitoring parental mental health way before the conception of a child. So that's coming up in season five of the Curious Neuron podcast and on Curious Neuron as a whole. All right, so let's get to today's question. So a question came in uh, for the podcast asking, it says, my question centers around time kids spend with their grandparents and what sort of impacts um, that has on them. My husband and I have both um, been doing lots of work on ourselves since before the baby came. Our baby is now 13, 13 months old, and especially since our child was born. There are lots of areas that I could use that I, that I could use as examples, but for now, I'll use validating feelings and emotions. We were both raised in families where this was not done, and often feeling. Um, and often feelings were very blatantly invalidated. We have both been working hard to create a household where everyone's feelings are respected and validated. However, all grandparents involved still don't get this. Even after attempts at conversations and fights, etc., issues like this are either swept under the rug, not talked about, or we get the response of, oh, 
Um, oh no, I would never invalidate or disrespect your child's feelings. I worry about my child spending time with their grandparents, especially when uh, my husband and I are not there. If my child's feelings are going to be regularly invalidated and not respected. Does this just all undo the work that my husband and I have been trying to do? We seem to be running into similar, similar issues with diet culture and food talk, gender norms, and more. Thank you so much for your podcast, and I look forward to hearing your response. All right, so there are multiple parts to my response to this question. The first is actually a statement. I would like to congratulate the parents, both parents, for doing the work together because this is the first part to changing generational cycles and especially those around emotions. They might seem, you know, especially if there was no spanking or anything that could be seen as very harmful, sometimes you don't see this as a generational cycle or something bad, right? It's not necessarily, I don't like using the word bad, but something that could be harmful on our child. Um, but when it comes to emotions, I still put this within generational cycles that we need to end because validating emotions we know now through research is important and respecting them and feeling like all emotions are accepted and teaching a child how to communicate their emotions, how to cope with emotions and not internalize them or not act out and externalize them. These are all skills that we need to teach our child. They don't come naturally, um, you know, and we have to make sure that we make this part of our child's environment. That is not something that many of us parents right now, my generation of parents, we were not taught this. Um, even if we came from a very loving home, I had this conversation with somebody over the weekend, um, they came from a very loving home, great parents. They have nothing wrong to say about their parents. But when I asked them about whether or not um, they were given the tools to cope with sadness or anger or worry, their, their answer was no. And they see it now as an adult, as, as a skill that they never received that um, impedes or causes some issues within the relationship, uh, the relationships that they have. So Again, it's it's not that our parents were 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 purposefully trying to, you know, not give us these skills. They hadn't developed these skills as well. So just the fact that you are starting to work on it um is to me I I I you know, congratulate you on that um because it's a very f difficult first step. If you are listening and haven't started doing the work yet, it's it's never too late to begin. And, and the first step is really acknowledging your past and understanding which parts of your past um, have contributed to the way that you um, understand or communicate your emotions, how you are able to label your emotions, how you're able to sit with your emotions, or how you're able to cope with emotions, right? So there, there are many different aspects to it. Um, and it's just sitting down and saying, do I communicate my emotions? Yes or no? Um, you know, how do I do it? When I'm mad, do I tell people? Do I keep it in? Do I think about it when I go to bed? Just starting to kind of get curious around that. So that is the first part of my response. The second part of my response is I'd like to focus on the term validating feelings. There is a big difference when it comes to validating feelings uh, when we were growing up and our parents were growing up and our children today. It's not damaging to if, our, if the grandparents do not validate the feelings because it's very different in the sense that we, as parents, are validating our children's feelings. Educators 
should be validating our children's feelings. So if it's uh, a certain adult or a couple adults in our child's lives that are not, we are able to compensate that and teach them that, you know, all emotions are okay. And if they are in certain environments that are not validating their feelings, it's kind of, it's it's okay because the bigger picture is that they understand that all emotions are okay and, and they're having their emotions validated. And if they're big enough or old enough to kind of communicate the fact that their emotions were not validated in a certain situation because they might experience this as they get older with friends or partners, then at least they can communicate it with you and, and, and let you know how that made them feel and you could um, nurture that aspect. So the, f- the question being whether or not a grandparent will... Um, whether or not a grandparent invalidating or not validating these feelings is damaging, my answer is no, given the fact that you and your partner are working on this and validating your child's feelings, right? So if it was back in the day where no one is validating your feelings and you've learned absolutely nothing about emotions, that is painting a very different picture. But if it's we can't expect every single adult in our child's life to validate their feelings. And as the primary caregivers, if we are doing that, um, then I'm not as concerned um, for, for the child and how they're developing emotion regulation skills and their emotional intelligence. The third point that I wanted to bring up is that butting heads never works. <laughs> and the reason why I'm saying that is because there was a little line in that question where um, the mother told me that, um, they're often fighting with their their parents, her parents or her in-laws um, about this uh, lack of validating their, their child's feelings. And I think that, and I've experienced the same thing uh, on my end, I think that when we kind of point out what our parents or in-laws are doing wrong, it, it, it's hurtful to them, understandably, because they feel that they did it a certain way and, you know, quote, unquote, we turned out okay. <laughs> and I'm laughing saying that because I hear that very often when many many of us are are in therapy. <laughs> and it's it's, you know, um I think that again, I don't think our parents and our grandparents knew any knew better. They the research wasn't there. When you look at emotional intelligence research, that really started um, to gain momentum and to have the, the word emotional intelligence came from the 1990s. And then that's when the research started um, to to grow in that field. So it's very new. They didn't know this research. So we can't um, point fingers at them. We can only start the work. And, and what we can do with them is, is get curious and compassionate, which is the whole point of Curious Neuron, right? Um, so if if we kind of have a you know if we sit down with them and and get curious about how they were raised and 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 how they learned to validate emotions or not um and and how they communicate their emotions right now have the conversation the open um conversation about emotions and mental health perhaps they don't understand the link between emotions and mental health that validating feelings is part of protecting your child's mental health if we bring it up that way and show them that we are taking the current research and putting it towards our child and their upbringing and development because we do want to try our best to protect their mental health, um, which I think it's over 70% of um, um, mental illnesses start in teenage years and adolescence. 
we need to start the work when they're young. If we could have that conversation with grandparents, and if and if you are a parent and are struggling with that conversation, perhaps this is a great episode to sit down with your family, your parents, or your in-laws to really um, start that conversation. Then that is a better way rather than pointing out the pointing the finger and saying you're doing it wrong, um, because again, they didn't know any better, and it's not their fault. The research is new, but let's have a conversation as families. Um, so that we can make our children's lives much better and much easier. Many of us struggle with um, being able to label different emotions. Many of us struggle with, you know, so many people will try to push uncomfortable emotions away, but we know that we cannot do that anymore. And we know that we need to change that. So let's have the conversation in terms of what our goals are for ourselves. If we're noticing that whenever a partner does something, we don't say anything. If we're noticing that we can't set boundaries, even if we're 60 years old and we are in a relationship that is, um, you know, that's, that you, you are not setting boundaries with your partner. It's not too late. It'll be much harder, but it's not too late to say, I need to do this for myself. I need to say that the way you speak to me is wrong rather than letting you speak to me that way and going to bed and being mad about it. That is not um, good emotional intelligence for lack of a better term. I don't like the word good, but that is not being emotionally intelligent. You want to communicate your emotions to your partner and say, that was hurtful what you said there was hurtful, or you want to, um, uh, you know, if you're mourning, you want to be able to, to tell people that you feel sad. You don't want to act as if everything is okay when you're actually sad. That is not being emotionally intelligent. So whether we are 15 years old or 55 or 75, we always have work to do when it comes to emotional regulation skills or emotional intelligence. And that's the conversation we need to have with grandparents. That sort of leads me into my fourth um, point. I have five, by the way. <laughs> um, but my fourth point was um, when they wrote, this person wrote, undo the work. Will it undo the work? And it just goes back to what I was saying where because you are doing the work and because you are validating your child's emotions and creating that environment that is conducive to your child becoming emotionally intelligent, then it's not completely undoing the work. I would not stop having the conversation with a grandparent who refuses to validate your child's emotions. I've experienced it in, in with my own children as well, certain family members, you know, calling a three-year-old a baby because they're afraid of a dog. It's happened. I think I spoke about it in a past um, episode. There was another family member um, when my two-and-a-half-year-old at the time um, pinched his finger in the um, stroller when this person was snapping, closing the, the, or snapping the stroller closed. Um, my two and a half year old was with them and they, my two and a half year old cried because that hurt. I mean, I think I would cry too. Um, but this particular family member, um, started saying, I'm sorry, as soon as my child stopped crying, this family member said, you're being such a good boy because you stopped crying, but that was pain. It's not about being a good boy that that child was hurt um, and you're allowed to cry when you're hurt. You're allowed to cry when you're mad. You're allowed to cry when you're sad and you're allowed to cry when you're happy. Um, it's it's not a good boy thing or a good girl thing. It's, it's just a human thing. Um, and I wasn't there in that moment, but my older child told me about it. So maybe that's, uh, actually now that I say it out loud, maybe that's a good story about 
when your home itself is, when you are validating emotions with your children, you know, all these situations will happen outside of your home that you don't have control of. But when it comes back to your home, then you can have the conversation. Even if my child was two and a half, I spoke about it. And at, at, at that age, they did say I had a boo-boo and, and so-and-so told me uh, I'm a good boy uh, because I stopped crying. They had, they didn't say it in those words, but they were able to communicate that. And my older child um, or my two older kids, I was able to have the conversation with them saying, it doesn't make you good or bad to cry when you get hurt. It's okay to cry. Um, again, that's, that's because that's the way we do it in our home. And I just want to share that with you because, you know, we might worry that grandparents are undoing the work. The only time I would really be worried, it's not about just the language. Well, if they're spending a lot of time with them, you know, if it's they're getting babysat once a week or going there for a sleepover once a month, it's a different, it's it's okay. If they are there every day after daycare or school and staying over every weekend, it's a it's then it's a con it's an important conversation to have with them because and again, not through, not by pointing fingers, but it's an important conversation to have to show them why this it matters to you and why protecting your child's mental health matters to you and for your child. And that it's not that they're doing things wrong, but that we want to do things differently. And if you can word it that way, maybe it's a little bit easier for them to accept the changes that you want to make in how you're parenting compared to the way they parented. Um, and and just to be gentle in the words that we're using with, with, with them. Um, but when something that would worry me is if um, there's some sort of ace going on, right? So invalidating emotions is one thing, but uh, an ace is an adverse childhood experience. And we know that if there's any type of abuse, neglect, or household dysfunction. So if there is a grandparent with a mental health problem, with substance abuse problems, if there's a grandparent that's incarcerated and et cetera, et cetera, you can search ACEs on Google if you'd like more information about this. Um, but again, the abuse, the neglect, that to me would be something completely different. That is when um, it could be damaging. That is a lot more serious. And what falls under abuse is um, spanking falls under that. Um, any any form of physical pain um, falls under that threats to a child where a child doesn't feel safe. Um, so that goes back into you know a child and their attachment with that that grandparent in their life. If a child um, doesn't feel safe or um, they're not being soothed or um, you know any any of those then I would be worried. That to me are our red flags. And then it's a more serious conversation about whether or not you want that child in that environment um, for you and your partner to have. And I understand, I had a conversation the other day with um, somebody that came from, uh, they were they were not a parent, but they were a social worker in Philadelphia. And uh, I jumped on a Zoom with them because they expressed how a lot of the things I talk about and a lot of parenting resources talk about are things that we cannot do in certain um, neighborhoods. So in this particular neighborhood of Philadelphia, there are lots of shootings, um, there are lots of single parents, and that I say, uh, you know, that you can't leave a child with a stranger or in an environment that is... Uh, you know, not safe for your child. Many parents cannot do that in this neighborhood. So I want to be mindful of that when I say this, because 
I don't know what your situation is. So if you know that your the grandparents of your child are being neglectful or abusive, but you have nowhere else to put your child, I, I wish I had a solution for you. Um, I could just bring in the work of Dr. Bruce Perry that says that when a child does experience trauma, that we do have to look for connection and community to help heal them and their brain in a sense, um, to try to help them and, and whatever help you can offer your child, because we do know that the early environment shapes the brain, shapes the way that they will, um, communicate emotional, um, needs, their social emotional skills, their executive function skills, and, and how the way that it protects their mental health. So we do need to have that conversation. And I am trying my best to bring somebody from that city in Philadelphia to have a conversation with me because I don't have a solution um, for people in this situation. But I do want to bring it up because sometimes we don't realize how privileged we you know, how privileged we are to be able to find different homes to help take care of our children if we can't or when we can't, and that we do have higher or better quality daycares or preschools for our kids, um, depending where we come from. So I do want to put that out there. All right. One last important point for today's episode um, is always to always monitor your child um, when they come back from an environment, a home. So if your child did spend some time alone, as this person said in their message, um, and they spent some time with your parents or your in-laws, when they come, when they come back, monitor their behavior, um, have conversations with them, ask them how it was. Um, you know, you don't want to like highlight or pinpoint and say like, did anything bad happen? Or did grandma and grandpa say something bad to you? Or when you cried, what did they say? You don't want to do that do too much of that. Um, but you do want to, you know, find out about their day or their afternoon with their grandparents and, and see how everything went. And if they bring things up on their own, um, make it open-ended, let them answer it. Don't, um, ask questions that would push them into a corner to say yes or no for something that will, you know, um, satisfy the sort of question or need that you have, but just, just allow them to speak and if you notice certain patterns, like their behavior is completely off when they come back, or they're more anxious, or they're not sleeping well, or they're talking about certain things that make you uncomfortable, like grandma and grandpa did this or said this or whatever it was, again, it, then it comes back to you and, and whether or not you want to have this conversation with your parents or your in-laws. Um, we just want to make sure that our children feel safe, seen and soothed, like uh, Dr. Dan Siegel says in his book, The Power of Showing Up. Um, and if you do want to have the conversation about emotions, Dr. Mark Brackett has the book called Permission to Feel, um, which is a great book to have around and to have these conversations with your parents or your in-laws. Um, again, without pointing fingers, but with just by showing what's important to you in your home, especially when it comes to social emotional skills or emotional intelligence. That is it for today's episode. I hope that this was helpful. Um, I know that this is something that many people are struggling with, given that 84% of you said that you wanted the answer to this um, question that I received on Instagram and you wanted to know the answer. So here is today's, <laughs> here is my answer. Um, and I will see you next week. We will talk about play next week and open-ended play. And I'm excited to share that with you. Um, again, if you want to reach me, you could email me at info at curiousneuron.com. You could send me a DM on Instagram at 
curious underscore neuron. However, those do pile up and I have to be honest, I have trouble keeping up with them. So you could just send me an email instead if you'd like or say hi on Instagram. And that is it for today. I hope you have a wonderful, lovely, beautiful week and I will see you next Monday. Bye.